Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting another appointment in your life? I get it. We're all busy people, right? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. No commutes. You don't have to leave the office. There's no judgments here, okay? Everybody knows I'm a big public proponent of therapy. And uh, maybe Talkspace is for you. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com beautiful and use the code beautiful. You get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com beautiful. I tell you, I have many happy memories when I was a kid about uh, learning to read and learning to love reading. Some of that was because I was a little nerdy kid and my parents were always pushing books in my face. But so much of that was the reading positivity and the storytelling of LeVar Burton, someone who I'm so happy to get to talk about right now because uh, it's really true. My childhood was informed by this. And, and look, LeVar is now recreating that magic for grownups on his podcast, LeVar Burton Reads, which is back for a new season this week over on Stitcher. In each episode, LeVar handpicks a different short story and reads it aloud, reads it right to you. Past episodes feature stories from Neil Gaiman, Octavia Butler, Haruki Murakami, and many more. Don't miss it. Subscribe to LeVar Burton Reads on Stitcher or wherever you listen. Hello to everybody figuring out how to get a horse to San Diego. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. Hello everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. The show where I get to talk one-on-one with human beings somewhere on planet Earth. And we hear about their lives and stories and we all collectively come together to actually listen. One person shares, everybody else listens. It's like preschool in a way. Man, do I feel good doing it. All this empathy empathy's dying empathy i feel so lucky that i get to do this podcast where everybody who listens to it gets to uh gets to just say hey empathy still matters we still want it in our lives thank god thank god for you listeners i mean that i mean that so much thank you to everybody who came to the vermont comedy club in burlington vermont what a great club what a great town i was there as something called the I was part of something called the Festival of Fools. And I got to see this guy named Zip Code, man. When you yell a zip code, he tells you where it's from. It was amazing. More importantly, I got to meet so many of you guys. I tell you, what a great... I mean, people drove down from Maine. I met a mother and daughter who drove all the way from Long Island. And they listened to the show. And then they, they told me that the daughter goes to Kenyon College. I'm like, that's where my wife went. And they're like, oh my God, we have stuff in common. It's just so nice. People wearing beautiful anonymous t-shirts. I've got other shows coming up. Uh, if you're listening to this when you uh, download it, 
it's it's Tuesday, August 7th is when this drops. Wednesday, August 8th, if you're in New York City, I'm telling you, go to chrisgeth.com. I got a show coming up. Jackson Heights, New York, Queens, my neighborhood. Best food in the city. You come out early. That's what you do. You come out early. You go to Little India, or maybe you get some Colombian food or some Tibetan food, Thai food. We got world-class food all over this neighborhood. You come out, you eat. You see this neighborhood you always hear me talk, talking about, and then you, uh, you come to the show out on Northern Boulevard. I've gathered some very great comedians. I'm going to be there hosting it. I'm going to be doing my own comedy as well. It's all in service of uh, Catalina Cruz, who's running for State Assembly, who I'm a fan of and a supporter of. And I'm really hoping the tickets have been selling really well, so there's probably some left. Go grab them right now. Come on out. Hang out in Queens with your buddy, Chris Gethard. Uh, As far as the weekends go, August 16th, 17th, 18th, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am on my way. Acme Comedy Company. One of the great clubs in this world. And hey, to all our London listeners, that uh, live taping, live Beautiful Anonymous taping, that's almost sold out. You guys have been going great. Thank you for that. Everybody's showing up. I actually have a, a couple stand-up shows uh, that I'm going to be doing the night before now to try to meet even more of you guys. So ticket info, chrisgeth.com. Thank you guys for coming out and supporting me when I'm on the road. And on that note of you guys supporting me, just want to put something out here for posterity. Um, some of you may have noticed I announced this yesterday on the internet. The Chris Gethard Show is no more. We've pulled the plug. Uh, the network, I think, was in a position where they may have had to cancel it or rebuild it. And they asked me uh, if I was still into it. And I told them, you know what? I, I don't want to rebuild it. If the, I, I think it's time to end it. And that's sad. I'm sure there are some listeners right now going, oh, great. I don't have to listen to him plug that thing every every week at for a stretch next year, which I get. Um but I do want to say, I know that not all the beautiful and honest fans were Gethard Show fans and vice versa. But I just want to give a really um, heartfelt thank you to everybody who checked out my TV show and who gave it a chance. And even more so, even for everybody who didn't, I have an easy life. I'm an entertainer. When entertainers complain, it's like, boo-hoo, man. I know a lot of people with harder lives. That being said, at the end of the day, you're still a freelancer. When one gig goes away, you don't... You don't know if another thing's ever going to come. And people claw and fight to get TV shows, let alone a TV show with their name on it. And it should be scarier for me that it's going away. And I can tell you, the primary reason that it's not scary is because of this podcast and because of the community surrounding it. That's you guys. And um, the fact that you all call in, the fact that you spread word on this thing, the fact that you buy tickets when I'm on the road, um, just in a very non-melodramatic way, I hope, it's an amazing safety net that makes me know that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage. My wife's going to be okay. And those are just real world concerns you have when a gig ends. And I tell you, I should be more shaken up and rattled and bruised up about the ending of the Chris Gethard show. And I'm not. And I would say the motivating factor of that is that you guys listening to this podcast have my back. So thank you for that. Okay, last week's episode, I got to say, I was so nervous. Every time we changed the format, everybody on Facebook freaks out. They want it pure, just the phone calls. No, everybody kind of liked it. The conversation in the park, people liked hearing the found audio of all the street noise. A lot of people told me they were driving while listening to the call and the constant New York City sound of sirens, the endless New York City sirens. A lot of people kept freaking out and checking their rearview mirrors, thinking they were being pulled over. Sorry about that. Too many people liked the part where trash flew into me. Let's me know where I stand in everybody's minds that they like 
when the trash flies into me, that that's a fun moment in their lives. A lot of people saying they'd like us to do more of those live out there in the world ones. I was saying in the Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous, the community on Facebook, join today. We're coming up on 30,000 members. Join today. I was saying maybe I can convince old uh, Jared and Harry that we should uh, rent a van and the three of us just travel this world like hobos, setting up our sad little microphones on little tables and parks all over this goddamn globe. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it. But uh, most of all, people loved that caller, and I did too. I still, I, I tell you, I hold that one very near and dear to my heart, sitting there talking to her and so many people. Um, and a, a number of other, another of other listeners of a Cuban background saying, this was awesome to hear someone talk not just about the politics of Cuba, but also just life in general and not just the sensationalized politics. Thank you again for coming out to the park. It was so cool. So cool to meet you. A lot of people saying I missed an opportunity by not salsa dancing in the park. You're right. I dropped the ball. This week's call is, I got to tell you, one of the coolest people I've ever talked to. We all, as soon as we got the phone, we were like, wow, that is a badass. This, uh, this person, as you'll hear, I've actually met them already. Uh, she mentions this was right before I performed in Washington, D.C., and uh, we met a few days after this call happened, and I got to tell her to her face, man, what a badass. You're going to hear, uh, this is someone who has lived some dreams, has gone big. We're talking jets. We're talking technology. We're talking badass. And uh, she fills us in on what it's like being in the Navy, being in the Navy in a very specific role, unique life serving the country and everything that comes along with that. Some cultural shifts that she was right there for. Some cultural attitudes that she's on the other side of my personal politics from as far as her life experience. But she's able to tell me on the inside of the military what it's like to this liberal Northeastern artist. It's a cool call with a badass caller. I don't want to say too much because I think you're going to love it. It gets really nerdy and technical, but in all the right ways, enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Yeah. What was that? That was a sound. There was a crazy sound there. Like an Can you an- hear me? Yeah, it sounded like an animal was attacking you or something. I was blowing my nose. <laughs> you were blowing your nose. We caught you blowing your nose yeah. to start the call. Yeah, sorry about that. I was trying to get it done before you beeped in. No, that's okay. That happens. But from my end, it sounded like like a like a cougar attack or something. <laughs> Bobcat. I was not being attacked by a cougar. That's good. Good to know. Blowing your nose. Yeah. Okay. Do you, <laughs> do you need to take a moment and finish up? No, 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 no. I'm good. Great. <laughs> that's... It's, Are you there? Yeah, I'm just chuckling to myself because I'm like, man, we've done like 120 of these and we keep finding new ways to surprise ourselves. <laughs> it's not really the best way to start a call, is it? That's kind of embarrassing. It's not the, I mean, it's, you know, there's worse ways, but not, <laughs> not many. But that's okay. Who cares? We have 58 minutes and 50 seconds to recover. I'm, I'm confident we can. Oh, okay. Well, let's do it then. Yeah. What's up? How are you? How am I? Uh, okay. First, I'm psyched because here at the Earwolf offices, they got those little mini Biscoff cookies. And these Biscoff <laughs> cookies, I used to, there was a time in your li- in my life where I, I could only get them on Delta airplanes. <laughs> I don't know if anybody listening 
remembers, like, I'd go on Delta airplanes. I'd be like, they better have those weird cookies. No, they just got them here at the Earwolf office, so I'm happy about that. How am I doing otherwise? It's a beautiful day, absolutely gorgeous day in New York City, but I'm I'm feeling a little down, and then sometimes that happens where I'm like, man, everything's so beautiful. My life is really great. I feel down, and then I feel um, like an ingrate, and that makes me feel more down. So I have to I have to uh, stay on top of that. But that's okay. That happens with oh, me. Oh, I totally get that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wow, I have everything in the world, and I still kind of just want to sit on my couch and watch really bad TV. Yeah. <sighs> Those are sad days. I just want to play on my phone and then be mad at myself for playing on my phone. Yes. This is such a waste. <laughs> hey, guess what? What? I'm going to see you on Friday in D.C. Whoa, look at this. Yeah. I've met callers after I've talked to them. I've never had someone tell me I will meet you. And we should know it's Thursday. We'll meet in about 28 hours, it sounds like. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's so funny that I got through this time. Wow. Well, thank uh, you for buying a ticket, and I hope you enjoy the experience. Oh, I'm super stoked. And it got me like uh connected with like the Facebook group and trying to like meet up with people who watch the show or listen to the show and stuff. So it was like kind of a whole neat little chain of events. Ooh, that's cool. The Kennedy Center. Performing at the Kennedy Center. Yeah. It's very fancy. Yeah. That's very fancy. Yeah. I don't have to wear a suit fancy. or anything, but that's a that's a no, good feather not. in the cap. It's a good feather in the cap. Have you ever performed there before? One other time and it was really great and my wife was the Kennedy Center so much great stuff so many it's like historic stuff is happening there my wife came down my wife came down for the show she said I'm so proud of you performing at the Kennedy Center oh I just saw Hamilton there a couple weeks ago yeah how'd you like it it was amazing <laughs> had you already been uh, listening to the soundtrack and everything or were you going in no that was the Ooh. thing I was a complete Hamilton virgin before I thought like I didn't know any of the songs I didn't know what to expect at all all I heard is like raves about it on other podcasts and people losing their minds. And I was like, it couldn't be that good. And afterwards, I was like, jaw on the floor, did not know what to do with myself. It was so good. Yeah, I liked it. I saw it. Um, yeah. I'm lucky enough that I saw the original cast with Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, cool. And my wife always makes fun of me. That there's, um, there's like sometimes I'll sing along to the soundtrack, and uh, the king, he has those high notes. And I, yes. and I really belt them out, and she thinks it's real cute. You want, you want to hear what I have to do? Yes. Okay, here's how high I have to go to belt the notes. I have to step away from the microphone. I'm going backwards because I don't want to be this loud into it. Because you have to just scream to these high notes. So go, I go, uh, oceans rise, empires fall. <laughs> i got to hit those high notes. Yes. Oh, wait, it should be a little higher. Oceans rise, empires fall. There you go. Oh my god, that's so awesome. That's the king. Anyway, that's a pretty good uh, deal. So you're just hanging out at the Kennedy Center all week. Uh, no, no, no. I, I live in DC, or yeah, you do. And so I just picked up a ticket to run down and see you because I was super excited that you were going to be in the area. But um, yeah. That's awesome. So anyway, when uh, I called in, I mentioned being in the Navy for 14 years, a girl in aviation, and that kind of being a strange 
and different kind of situation that most people probably aren't aware of. Uh, also mentioned talking about relationships and depression and imposter syndrome. So I figured I would just throw that out there. Wow. Okay. Just threw it all against the wall. Let's see what we're working with here. Yeah. So you said yeah. you, you're in the Navy. So you were in the Navy for 14 years, or are you in the Navy right I, now? I am in the Navy right now. You're, you're in the Navy, and you work in aviation. Yes. Yeah, I used to fly uh, planes for the Navy off of aircraft carriers. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Now, <laughs> neat experience. And technically, I will say, for anyone who's listening who's in the Navy, I— uh, I will compare myself. I'm Goose, not Maverick. So I was a backseater, not an actual pilot. So I was like navigating and um, like uh, weapon systems, comms, that kind of thing. That's your Goose, not a Maverick. I think we already know I'm the goose, title to this Maverick. episode. <laughs> a Goose, not a Maverick. Um, now, it, it, it's so funny you bring this up. I would say it must have been now, what, six months ago or so, I went out to California and, uh, 147, the Argos. The Argos. How, yeah, you know this. I, I mentioned this on the show, I, huh? I cruise with them. Yeah, I cruise with them. Every time you mention going out to talk to them, I think of the guys that I used to hang out with. Like, you know the Argos. Which is, well, I mean, I know the guys who were in the squadron at the time, which was, you know, like, what, eight years ago now? So it would be a completely different group of people. But, but yeah, the Argos were were on my on my boat. <laughs> That is incredible. You were on, so I, so you were on the same boat as the guys that I'm. In. So for anybody who doesn't know the reference, I, um, it was like very meaningful to me. I, I, I've said like, you know, I did this special called Career Suicide where I talked about depression stuff, and one of the most meaningful things that came out of it was um, a staff sergeant named uh, I don't know if I should say his name, a staff sergeant from the Argos. Reached out to me and he said part of his duties as a staff sergeant was he has to interview all the people who work in his uh, his unit. What what is what are we talking here? Unit? Not bro- squadron. Squadron. The whole squadron. Yep. And he said there was a distressing number of these anonymous surveys that came back with people who said they were having uh, depressed depression issues or suicidal thoughts. And uh, he said he kind of didn't know what to do and and uh, and. Uh, randomly caught my special on HBO one night and he said, you know, I think that that's, people are going to respond to it because it's funny. Is there any way you'd come out and perform the show? And I said, well, I forgot, I forgot how the show goes as soon as I taped it. (laughs) Yeah, but we came out and screened it and then I talked to them and it was amazing. It was amazing to meet um, all those people. It's really incredible what you do. Thank you for doing it. Um, Just like, you know, it's, you know, yeah, you go. The best answer that I've ever heard anyone say to being being in the military and being thanked for our service is just to tell anyone who's listening that you guys are worth it. Um, because it's kind of awkward to be like, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's, that's an important thing to say is like, hey, you're worth it. <laughs> As a United States citizen, you're worth it. That's so nice. That's so nice. <laughs> so I think that's, that's such a cool thing because like, I don't know how much you guys got into mental health in the military and all the stigma attached, but I will say from like the aviation standpoint, it's even more insidious just because, uh, you know, we have to pass special like elevated medical um, screenings in order to be eligible to fly. And you hold on, it's called, it's called getting up, getting your up chit is what it's called. 
um, and getting cleared to fly. And so when you have your up shit, you hold on to it for dear life because if anything happens, like even if you have like a cold or a head, a head cold or whatever, then you get put down until that clears. But mental health is one of those things where they don't want quote unquote crazy people flying multi-million dollar aircraft in combat and putting other people's lives in danger if they have that opportunity. So it's, it can be really, really dicey. So it's, it's almost impossible to, to get mental health help uh, as right. an aviator, I will say. Right. Your career, your career, you might, uh, you might, yep. your career might slip. And meanwhile, and I hope I'm not airing any dirty laundry here, but I think this is something people know. When, when I was out hanging with the Argos, one of their pilots was telling me, he was saying he's flown solo, because they fly solo missions, at least the pilot I talked to. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't have a goose back there. Yeah, they don't. They were single seat. And he was saying that they'll fly sometimes. He said, he, I think he said the longest mission he flew was 14 hours. I said, How? Yeah, I think the longest I ever flew was 12, and I'm, <sighs> I have three other people on the jet with me. <laughs> <laughs> But I said to him, I was like, how do yeah. you even stay awake the whole time? And he said, well, there's medicine for that. And then yeah, I said, I go pills. yeah, he was telling me about them go pills. And I said, and then when, are you all like <laughs> tweaked out when you get off the pain? And he's like, yeah, but then you got the downers. You get the uppers to help you through the mission. You get the downers. Yep. So your mental, I, I mean, to be in total isolation for 14 hours, taking pills to keep you uh, up and then new pills to keep you down and to yeah. keep your mental health on your shoulders, all all of that's just, you know, speaking of the physiology, let alone from the fact that you're on these emissions where it's high-pressure stuff. Yeah. You might be, you might have people trying to kill you. You might be charged with taking mm-hmm. other people's lives. Just the, I, yep. I can't imagine mental health being an easy no. thing to maintain when you're a flyer. No, and and you're away from your family and being on a boat for that long is really tough. And, you know, one of the, one of the things I don't know if everyone necessarily realizes like you, you know intellectually but you don't necessarily put it together but after all of that time while he's flying and possibly dropping bombs and working with guys on the ground who might be in distress and all these crazy things that could possibly happen and by the way he's tanking every two hours so aerial refueling you have to basically you know have a large aircraft land on top of you to give you fuel while you're flying um then you have to turn around and land on an aircraft carrier probably at night <laughs> Damn. and that's it's insane it's insane what these pilots do they are they are amazing i was out at that base in california where they had the uh, airstrip and when i was out there all the jets were practicing i think they set it up to emulate the conditions of landing on an aircraft carrier maybe and yeah we we call it bouncing it's their FTLPs, flight carrier landing pattern procedure someone's gonna hear this and be like i can't believe you don't remember that acronym but yeah <laughs> Uh, they're called FDLPs, and it's basically like you simulate the uh, the pattern around the boat, and then, um, yeah. They had a little shack on the side of the runway where that was happening, and uh, they let me sit in it. I was watching. I think it was F fourteen. Yeah. Are the Argos flying F fourteens? If I remember right. F eighteen. F eighteen. F 14s were the ones that were in Top Gun, and they're retired. Old school. So they're flying the F 18s I, I was watching them land these F-18s from, I must have been about 15 yards away. It was insane. Oh, yeah. It was insane. They let me have sit- you ever watched aircraft, aircraft carrier landing videos? They're awesome. You should definitely look them up. They're so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said you used to fly, but I think you did say you're still in the yeah. military, so you're not flying anymore. Correct. What are you up to now? Are you not so, allowed to say? Classified? Uh, no, no, I can totally, I can totally say, um, I, I have thought about this multiple times and like, I'm literally the only person in the entire world that has the job that I have. 
Um, so, I mean, it's, but not many people know it, so it wouldn't really necessarily give me away, but, um, I, so I, I got into the, the Navy. I did the whole flying thing. I did that for, um, what, eight years and then decided I didn't want to be a commanding officer. And so I kind of went off what we call the golden path, which is, you know, stay in the cockpit, just keep flying, keep flying, keep flying. I wanted to come back to DC. I came back to DC. I worked for Navy women's policy and that was really cool. Um, completely different (laughs) situation. And then I decided I wanted to get out. I was engaged at the time and, um, decided I want to get out of the Navy, do the reserve thing and, and try and see what would happen, um, as a civilian. And as I was getting out, the relationship was falling apart and I was like, holy shit, I hate being a civilian. This is fucking terrible. Sorry, Sally. Um, and so <laughs> I then went in search of kind of long-term orders through the reserve. So technically I'm a reservist on active duty orders and I designed the cockpit for the joint strike fighter, the F-35 Lightning II. Um, so I basically run a working group that brings all of the pilots, that fly the F-35, which is our fifth-gen fighter, the most premier fighter jet in the world. Um, I run a working group that brings all those guys together, and we make decisions about how the cockpit's going to evolve. That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. I, they let me – I don't know. I'm, I hope I'm not getting any, anybody in trouble saying this. They let me sit in the cockpit on one of them jets – that's, yeah, yeah, of course. That, You're not going to get anyone in trouble. Don't worry. That's complex stuff. You're designing the newest, it's most high tech one. Well, yeah, it's because the new one it's um, it's mostly touchscreen, so it's much more um, customizable after the fact. Whereas what you probably saw was a lot of like hard buttons, steam gauges, that kind of thing. I mean, their their screens are more advanced than what I flew, to be sure, and they still have customizable options. But the F thirty five is really they have really cool customizable stuff. So it's And it's neat. And then, you know, it's a program that is the Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps for the U.S. services, and then eight partner nations. Everything I'm saying is unclassified, so don't worry. (laughs) Um, And then eight partner nations that are all part of this program. And so, like, I run this entire working group where I have to herd fighter pilots like cats, and it's about that effective. (laughs) Cats? Wow. So you're sitting there going, I flew for eight years. The cock- Here's all the drawbacks of the cockpits that I was in, and we're going to fix everything up so this new plane is just badass and pilots can just do what they do without having to worry about this. I try my hardest because I'm kind of in a weird situation where I'm a backseater and I wasn't in like a fighter jet. I was in an electronic warfare jet. And so like the hell when is it that? comes to the expertise – what? <laughs> Finish the thing with the teeth, but then tell me what electronic warfare jets are. Oh, God, we live in a terrifying world. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you're, back, oh, you're yeah. a backseater and there's maybe a little bit of uh, I just I'm not a, I'm not a pilot, so I don't necessarily have that kind of uh, like mindset um, just because I, I, I don't control the aircraft. I, uh, I do all the other things and so right. when we're talking about a single seat aircraft these guys have to worry about you know flying the aircraft controlling the aircraft making sure they're not breaking any rules and all of the things that are coming in and going out of the jet they have to worry about all of that and so it's just a very different mindset so 
when I took over this job, I tried really, really hard to uh, kind of turn over all the decisions as much as possible to the pilots because they're the ones flying it. And so I really try and put myself in more of the like collect all the information and put it together in a nice pretty package with a bow on top to present to the people who give us time and money to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the role that I've kind of built for myself, rather than being me. These are the changes we're going to make because I don't know. I, I've never flown this jet, and I'm never going to fly this jet. So that's still um, badass. So yeah. Now, can I ask you about one other thing <laughs> I learned during my day with the Argos? Absolutely. They were telling me. Did you have this experience? They were telling me. These pilots were telling me that um, when they're stateside, there's a thing where they're uh-huh. they're told just take a jet and go fly wherever you feel like in the United States because you just have yeah, to. talk cross country. <laughs> did you ever do those? Oh, yeah, tons. <laughs> we got to tell the world about these these fighter jets, and it serves a purpose. But it's basically you got to get used yeah. to flying for hours at a time. You got to get used to maybe yep. having to figure out how to navigate to points that you didn't necessarily expect mm-hmm. to go to, have to coordinate On a landing. Familiar places, yeah. So they tell these pilots, just hey, t- go take a military grade jet and fly wherever you feel like. Have fun. Call us when you get back. <laughs> yep. Pretty close to <laughs> it, right? Yeah, I mean, in flight school in Pensacola, Florida, where the Navy does flight school, um, it, you needed to get a certain number of flights in order to pass whatever phase of training you were in. <clears throat> and uh, and so if, like, you were short on time or you, you could do what we call an out-and-in, you would sit down with the instructor and be like, uh, I feel like barbecue today. Want to go to Tennessee? <laughs> get the hell out of here. You really can. You can be like, I want to yeah. get the dry rub ribs. We're going to skip yeah. Kansas City. We're yeah. going to Tennessee. And when you're in Pensacola, Florida, and the types of jets you're flying, how long does it take you to get to, let's say, Nashville? Oh, God. Well, it, it depends on which phase of flight. Like, um, So it, it could take anywhere from like, oh, God, this was a really, really long time ago, so I might embarrass myself, but like two hours. Two hours. I'm just like, all right, so let's get up in a jet. Two hours, jet. land, refuel, get lunch, get back in the jet, or brief again, get back in the jet, and fly home. And and you get two graded events out of that. So you could just be sitting around with somebody, and this person will go, "Hey, you know, I've never had a lobster roll." And you're like, "You've never had a lobster? All right, we're going to Maine, getting the jet, and you just fly <laughs> to Maine." Heard some of my buddies who, yeah, some of my buddies who flew P3s, which are not uh, carrier based, but uh, they're much uh, longer distance aircraft than than what I ever flew. Um, yeah, they would they would leave out of Jacksonville, Florida, and be like. Let's go get a lobster and literally go up to Maine. God damn, that's cool. It's awesome. <laughs> it's not a bad life. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> and, man, that's awesome. Yeah. So you when you were uh, you were okay. I don't want to just ask you yeah. about this because I want to. I want, don't let me forget. I want to talk about you said relationships and imposter syndrome. I want to get into all that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're yeah, flying yeah, yeah. electronic warfare crafts. We got to go ahead and take a break. What's an electronic warfare jet? I don't know. I can't imagine. I bet it's filled with lots of uh, gadgets, though. Maybe maybe similar to the types of gadgets and services and products that we're about to sell you via the ads here at Beautiful Anonymous. Um, there's promo codes attached to these ads. If the things that we're selling strike your fancy, use the promo codes. It really makes the show look good when you do. Back right after this with more phone calls. Support for today's show comes from Brooke Linen. 
named the winner of the best of online betting category by Good Housekeeping. Brooklinen is the fastest growing betting brand in the world with over 20,000 five-star reviews. Their mission? To bring five-star hotel quality sheets to everyday life, offering luxury sheets without the luxury markup. Their method? Eliminating the middlemen, keeping things personal from design to manufacturing to customer service and beyond. I sleep on Brooklinen sheets. I really enjoy them, really love them. They are a high quality product. There's not much more to say beyond that, except that when I lay down in my bed and my Brooklyn and sheets are on the bed, I feel very lucky that I am in my bed. How's that for a personal endorsement? My Brooklyn and sheets are the best, is what I'm saying. They're the most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer for just my listeners. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code BEAUTIFUL at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so sure you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BEAUTIFUL at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BEAUTIFUL. Brooklinen. These really are the best sheets ever. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash BEAUTIFUL. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thank you to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. Electronic warfare crafts? Yes. Was so that, the EA-6B Prowler. The EA- so was the jet. They don't fly anymore. They got retired, I think, this, this year was the last flight for the Prowler. Uh, they were replaced by the EA-18 Growler, which is a variant of the jets that you saw the Argos flying. Um, the j- but the Argos were upgrading their jets. Attack. All the jets are yeah, getting Yeah, they're going to my jet. They're, they're, they're the first Navy squadron switching to the F-35, the one that I'm working on right now. Oh, yeah. So what, what's electronic warfare jets? Um, well. Ooh, this, you're figuring out what you're yeah. allowed to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think the most easy way of saying it is, like, we can send out signals that will interfere with things. Whoa. So, like, spies in the and, sky. And you can look it up. I just don't – it's been a really, really long time since I've done it, so I, I don't want to put anything out there and get myself in trouble or get anyone in trouble. So, like, it's something you can Google real quick. Like, EA60 Prowler does this, um, you know. Damn. Yeah. But Damn. We, didn't, we didn't necessarily um, – we, we didn't really go kinematic, so we didn't drop bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would we would fly around and support the guys on the ground with whatever they needed support on. And were you were you flying in 
you it said eight years ago. So is that Afghanistan, Iraq? Were you were you in missions in that area? Yep, both. So yep. so if there's if so like if there's just theoretically and and if if all by all means if you're like it would cross oh, no, cross I, the I line. I'll answer if I can't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Feel free, but like there might be a situation yeah. where maybe there's some guys on the ground. And you need to make sure that nobody in that e- area can send an email for the next two hours. Maybe we have some devices up there that can make sure that that doesn't happen. You, you, that's an idea. That's definitely an idea maybe, of, of what, yeah. Maybe cell phones aren't going to function for the next chunk of time until some things get done that <laughs> need to get done. Maybe your, cell, maybe your texts ain't going through. <laughs> I think you get the idea. Wow, maybe we got maybe the Argos need to fly in there. So maybe your uh, maybe your radar systems need to not know about the old Argos coming on in. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're picking up on exactly exactly Ooh. what we did. It wasn't necessarily as exciting as everyone else who gets to see giant explosions when they go and do their job, but I think we've helped a lot of people. Yeah, no, it's like James Bond in the sky stuff. Um, now, I do have to say, because I can sit here and be a nerd about the technology and all of it, I will say yeah, yeah. I, I am at the, you know, it is, I wonder how you feel, I wonder how you feel being outside of combat missions now, too, because it's it's funny, like, when I went and spoke to the Navy, uh, to, to the squadron I did, I, I know there were some people in my life that were like, I don't know, man, like, like, you know, just in general, war is bad, military industri- industrial com- complex, it's, you know... I'm a liberal, and like people say that, but I'm like, yeah. But when you talk to the human beings on the ground in the military, they are just people who want to help. Very often, kids who want to help, like actual kids, like actual yeah. kids who are just like, no. Very I, often, actual kids. Actual twenty, <laughs> twenty-one year old people. Um, yeah, like I gave you my resume, and I'm thirty-six. So. <laughs> damn, you've done all that cool ass <laughs> shit, and you're younger than I am. <laughs> Well, I performed. I performed in a comedy club in a mall in Syracuse a couple weeks ago, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself too. And you're gonna be at the Kennedy Center tomorrow. That's, That's true. Bad. That's true. That's true. How do you? Come on. How does it? Uh, how do you reconcile it all? How do you reconcile it all that you're a part of something with nothing but good intentions on a personal level, mm-hmm. but that the very people you're protecting, many of them, question. The what'd you say? The morality of it must be a lot to wrap your head around when you're on the inside. I think you you nailed part of it. Is that all of the stuff that I did and what most you know the age that most of my friends were doing that kind of thing um, were young, and you don't necessarily think the same way. I'm I'm starting to notice that as I pass my mid thirties, like we think about things a lot differently at this point than I did when I was 25 and want to just fly upside down and go real fast all the time. Like, I mean, I'm sure lots of people think about it. I really didn't think about it a lot. I also didn't necessarily have to worry about dropping bombs on people. So I feel like that never pushed me over the edge of really, really worrying about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've seen... I've seen some of my friends come back from pretty rough missions and, and see it on our face that it's, it's going to take their to- the toll on yeah. them. Do you think if you had been in a, you know, you had said before I wasn't actually dropping bombs. Do you, do you think it, you're, would that have 
drastically change your entire experience in the military? I don't think so. Um, if for no other reason, like I, I wanted to be in the military for a really long time. I wanted to fly for a really long time and I knew what it entailed from the very beginning. So you go in with your eyes open. Um, I think there would have been a little bit more self-reflection uh, had I been in a position where I'm like, okay, like there's actual explosions happening from what I'm doing. And there's probably people under those explosions. Um, so like, like I said, I just, I don't think I was ever pushed to that point to really, really think about it too, too, too closely. And I don't know, maybe that's not healthy. Maybe it was just what it was at the time. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know our intelligence does the absolute best they can do. And they are amazing at making sure that we are, we are fighting the bad people and we're making bad things happen to bad people. And I, I guess, even if you don't agree with the the overall war or war as a whole from a morality standpoint, um, up close and personal like that, you're like, you know what, that was a bad person and they're not around anymore. So, you know what, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I would never, especially since you're still active, would never, mm -hmm. would never ask you to comment directly on anything you're not comfortable with. I will say, having been in for 14 years, a lot has changed. Just in a general culture way, does the culture mm -hmm. of the military change when the commander in chief changes? Because we—you've now served under two very drastically different people. Yeah. Does that? Do, I have not noticed it. No. Really? I have not noticed a change. Business no. as usual. Yeah. Wow. The things that we're working on—I mean, some of the timelines that I'm looking at are like 2035, 20. You know, like it, it, we do a lot of long-term stuff, and the and the stuff that we build lasts for a really long time. So I, I mean, I live in DC, I'm, I'm here, I'm in the midst of it and I try my best to ignore all of it. Um, but you know, the military is the military. You still get up, you put on a uniform every day, you go to your job, um, whether it takes you overseas and away from your family or you walk next door and go to, go to work like I do and come home at the end of every day. It's, it, just keeps going. Yeah. yeah. It does. The military just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you decide to get into it? How does one decide? Apparently I told my mom that I wanted to fly when I was like seven years old. Um, and yeah, I grew up in, not we didn't have a lot of money uh it was like a family of teachers um and my mom was like well you are going to college that's not an option and i don't have any money to send you there so figure it out <laughs> and this whole flying idea was in my head and i started researching scholarships and i got an rtc scholarship and that paid for school at at the time the richest or the uh, most expensive school in the country <laughs> so okay. um, right. yeah <laughs> and uh, that actually is uh that kind of leads to the whole imposter syndrome topic what a nice <laughs> trip look at that and i'm not kidding when i say we yeah. just hit the exact 30 minute mark as you did that which can oh, only be we hit the halfway, but you transitioned into the second half of the episode with what can only be called military precision. <laughs> oh, that was so non-intentional. 
Um, yeah, so uh, the imposter syndrome thing is, it's just been something that I think a couple of people have mentioned on the podcast and every time I listen, I'm like, oh, that would be such an interesting thing to talk about because, um, like I said, like, objectively, I feel like you could look at my life and go, holy shit, she's got herself together and she's doing pretty well. And I kind of feel like a giant failure in many, many ways. Um, and, and that's just kind of been on my mind for a while. And the reason I bring up the, the Rocky scholarship is because I went to, uh, GW and or George Washington university here in DC. And it was like my, not like third or fourth choice school because I really wanted to go to Georgetown and I didn't get into Georgetown. And when I didn't get into Georgetown, I was like, I'm a failure. I am a complete failure. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to school at GW, <laughs> which is not any kind of slouch of a school. Yeah. Um, but after that, like I wanted to be a pilot and I didn't get a pilot spot. I got an NFO, a Naval flight officer backseater spot. So that was another failure. And then I was like, okay, if I'm going to be a backseater, then I want to, I want to be in the coolest jets out there. I want to be in F-18s. And so I worked my butt off to be as competitive as possible in flight school where you select um, the aircraft you're going to go to. And it just so happened that my class was like at a certain time and there were literally no F-18 spots available to NFOs. And so every single person in my class went to the prowler. And so that was another failure and I didn't want to go to the prowler and all these things. And so it was just like from, from the outside perspective, it's all this amazing, cool stuff. And, and I'm kind of proud of myself looking back, but at the time and, and so many things, like I felt like such a failure. Like I couldn't get anything that I wanted to, I wanted so from our perspective, we all look at you and we're like, oh, my God, you went to the Olympics. And you're like, yeah, but I keep winning the silver medal. <laughs> That's how you feel. And what is impo- – yeah. so, so walk me – is is imposter syndrome something that's a diagnosed thing? Is is it – what exactly does that – what I does that mean? I think so. I don't think I know what when, it means for Okay. The, the research and reading that I've done about it is – it seems to be very typical to women in um, probably in like high power positions, but it's, it's the feeling that you're just waiting until someone finds you out because you're a total fraud. Oh, Oh, I, okay. Yeah. Like I'm an imposter. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ha- I probably have that. Yeah. I probably have that too. I, I don't deserve. <laughs> you mentioned it before. On yeah, the podcast. <laughs> I don't deserve any of the good things that have happened to me. I don't deserve any yeah. of them. I'm not. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So you feel you feel like yeah. you, you feel like historically you've come up short over and over again. Meanwhile, you've done all this stuff that is like super impressive and highly specialized that would blow anybody's mind. Yeah, and I mean, like the position that I'm I'm in right now was kind of a fluke, <laughs> and I I got this job and decided, wow, I actually really like being in the Navy, and I don't I don't want to get out. Like I thought I did. And I want to get back on active duty permanently. And, um, I worked my butt off like seriously in this job for the past three years and, and I'm getting everything that I I wanted to, but I had to fight a pretty steep uphill battle because in all of that time, as I was flying, I was, I was average. I was, I was an average 
person in my squadron. Um, and, and I wasn't competitive for promotion and, and I somehow fought to get it and I got promoted and, um, but yeah, like it's just been, it's just been crazy. And of all things, right before I got on the phone with you, I was on the phone with a detailer trying to decide like what my next set of orders are going to be for the next three years. And I thought I was going to stay here in the DC area. And now it looks like I might be going somewhere else and I don't know where that's going to be. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just all kind of crazy. <laughs> and I just bought a horse, so I need to go somewhere where I can have a horse. You bought a horse. <laughs> Who are these people that just buy horses? What do you mean you bought a horse? Yeah. You live in a major metropolitan area. That's astounding to me that you can just own a horse. You own horses. You really like riding. <laughs> I have a whole joke. You're going to hear a whole joke tomorrow about people who own horses. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you own a horse. Oh, now no. you okay. wait, but you hold on, you work in a you work in a field where you are it's you're not allowed to necessarily pick where you live all the time and you go you buy a horse? Mm-hmm. Well, I was it an really impulse buy? I was like ninety percent no, not at all. I was like I waited and waited and waited until I found out that I'm going to get back on active duty like permanently. And the Admiral who's bringing me back on active duty was like, I'm teaching you at this command. So I thought I was going to be exactly where I am right now <laughs> for at least another three years. And it looks like that might not happen. So. so what if you have to go work out of a base in Germany? You're going to get the horse on a cargo plane and fly the horse all over the world? Luckily, the career field I'm in will like 99% of the time be stateside. So I won't, I will be in the state somewhere. Like I'm looking at um, like Maryland, possibly a couple jobs in the DC area, maybe San Diego, maybe out near like Edwards Air Force Base in California. Those are kind of like the, the options and they're all fine for horses. <laughs> Why'd you get a horse? You like horses that much? People who like horses, I do. people who like horses really, really love horses, like horses, huh? You grew up with horses? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, horses have become kind of my safety net sanity kind of situation. Like, I started riding every weekend, um, and it was just, I think it's very similar to flying in that you are completely engrossed both mentally and physically. So you don't have any, there's no space for your brain to go other places, um, which for, for me is like a really nice break <laughs> mm-hmm. being fully engaged. It's a really, really nice break from my brain. Mm-hmm. 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 That's like me with my jujitsu. I rode a horse on my, ah, I tried. I, well, what was that? So, no, I was going to say I tried jujitsu. Oh, did you like it? I think it's so cool that you do it. I did, but I, it's just hard to fit it in. <laughs> yeah. You got enough going on. What with, you know, <laughs> Uh, being responsible for upgrading some of the most high-end military technology and caring for this recently purchased horse. <laughs> That's a lot on one person's plate. Now, you had mentioned you wanted to talk about relationships. You had mentioned this as well. Yeah, the top yeah. of the call. Were you, so you had been, yeah, the, uh, been engaged, didn't work out. Uh-huh. When was yep. that? Let's go ahead and... Uh, Pause right there. This is someone living a very specific life with a very specific series of accomplishments, and I would imagine relationships 
have a specific viewpoint attached to them. We're going to hear all that and more when we come back. In the meantime, though, check out the ads. Use the promo codes. Helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. For many of us, the day does not start until we get that morning energy boost, right? I'm talking about coffee here. A lot of people can't even start that day without the coffee. Now there's a new way to enjoy your daily cup of joe thanks to Cafe Monster. Available in vanilla, mocha, salted caramel, Cafe Monster is shaking up the ready-to-drink coffee category with indulgent gourmet coffee that's only 190 calories, not to mention with 150 milligrams of caffeine. Let that sink in, 150 milligrams from coffee beans, B vitamins, and coffee fruit extract. Cafe Monster offers a simplified... Energy blend that contains a third less sugar than the leading national brand. In fact, there's 100 fewer calories per bottle than the competition, but you'd never know that by tasting it. Instead, you get all the same feel and flavor as your local coffee house, and you do not even have to wait in line. I'm not great at waking up in the morning. Some days I get out of bed, and it takes me a little bit to get going. You know what I like to do on those days? Shotgun a Cafe Monster. Problem solved. Okay? Kiss those sluggish mornings goodbye. I don't shotgun it in the sense that I like open it with a key like a teenager in the woods with a beer. I'm talking about you just drink one of these things. You'll be good to go. Cafe Monster. Chill it down. Shake it up. Enjoy. Thanks again to everybody who sponsors our show. Now let's finish the phone call. Now you had mentioned you wanted to talk about relationships. You had mentioned this as well at the top of the call. So you had been yeah, in, the, been um, engaged, didn't work out. Uh huh. When was yep. that? That would have been so. We met in 2013, and we broke up in 2015. Um, that's a that's a fun little story that um, might be might be cool. So my uh, <laughs> my coming out experience to my mom was, "Hey, mom, I'm dating a girl," and she goes, "Okay." <laughs> wow. Simple as that. Yeah. I like that. What's that? I'm, that's a good story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I was dating, I'm bisexual, I'm dating a girl um, when the uh, Doma decision happened. So that was kind of cool. Remind me, fill me in on the exact details of that decision. The defense of marriage was, I think it was what struck down. They said that it, you know, we couldn't couldn't say that marriage is only between a man and a woman. Right, right, right. So this was this was when yeah. same sex marriage was was uh, yeah was really big. Yeah. Yes. So were you were you in the military during Don't Ask, Don't Tell? Yep. Oh, so so much has changed. Yeah. What was that like? And it's it's it was funny because like being bisexual, like I. I never really identified it because I, it just was never a thing. It was never an issue. Um, and so like I dated guys and didn't think about dating girls because don't ask don't tell was in place. And then when don't ask don't tell was repealed, it was like, Oh, well, I guess I could date girls too. (laughs) Wow. Which is all very kind of casual. Wow. So you got, you, you met a, you met a young lady. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was when uh, that was at Georgetown because I went back to Georgetown to get my master's degree. So I got a master's degree from Georgetown because I wouldn't. I decided I would never, you know, I would not die without going to. I mean, I just uh, learned a, a degree from Georgetown. I just learned a lot about you. 
didn't get into Georgetown, beat yourself up, went to a very high caliber school instead, but still you were like, no, fuck that. I'm getting my Georgetown. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. There's a level of tenacity. Starting to see how you roll. What happened when when you were nine? Did you say, I want to own a horse? And someone was like, you're not allowed to have a horse in your whole life. You've been like, I'm going to get a fucking horse. Fuck you. I think I was more like when I was like five, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Okay. So, yeah. So no, I always like horses. We just didn't have any money. So 2013, you get together. 2015, mm-hmm. you said it's over, but you get engaged. So this is a whirlwind romance. Oh, yeah. And we did the, we totally did like the, keep in mind, first, first uh, lesbian female relationship. And we were engaged at four months. <laughs> four. The, you do hear some jokes. You do hear some. I try to. You I, do hear some jokes. A, a friend of mine who I will say is a lesbian once, once told me the joke, what do, what do lesbians, um, get each other for their second dates. What? A U-Haul truck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you moved quick. I should yeah, say it made me chuckle. Typical. It made me chuckle, yeah. but I also, well, I, I'm sure that's not the case with everybody. And uh, I hope I didn't just offend people, but it, it was, it made me chuckle. And since it applied to your story. So four months in, you're engaged. Mm-hmm. Massive life. And we change. probably should have broken up around two months, so that Ooh. was a bad idea. <laughs> but was it one of those really fun? If you're getting, if you know you should be breaking up two months in and four months in, you're engaged. Is it also one of those ones where you're like, this is the most exciting fucked up relationship of my life? Is it one of those ones? No, no, no. it was awful. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. So why'd you get engaged? <laughs> because I like you know lots of therapy and self reflection. Reflection later, I really feel like I was what at the time that's three years ago so i was like 32 33 i was like okay i'm back in school i met this person in school where i'm surrounded by very similar people and i haven't been in a situation where i'm surrounded in this way by people who are like me in this way and i should be further along i should be engaged. I should be married. I should have kids or something like that. It was a whole bunch of shoulds happening in my head. Um, and so it was like, this. it was kind of a panic. Like, this is my last chance. I'm, I'm never going to be in this situation again, where I'm going to have access to, um, to a group of people doing similar things in my life. Um, and, and I think that really fueled a lot of it. You get caught up in the should a lot, huh? It's really scary. I should go to Georgetown. I should fly this type of jet. Yeah. I should live this kind of life right now. And if I'm not, that means that I've dropped the ball somehow. Big time. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough to put that on yourself all the time. When are we going to learn how to yeah. roll with the punches, my friend? See? Still living in the now that I just don't, I haven't grasped it. I haven't figured it out. I managed to attain so it from time next? to time. What's next? What's next? Every once in a while, I manage to slow down and just enjoy what I got. And I got to tell you, it's really worth yeah. it. It's really worth it. I'm working on it. Yeah. So how did get there? So this relationship eventually ends. You realize this is not right. Mm-hmm. Who asked? Who proposed to whom? 
she proposed to me and then uh and then I proposed to her a couple months later. So you said no initially? No, no, I said yes, but I don't know. I having never like thought about it before, never having been in a relationship with a, a woman before, I was like, well, it's nice to be proposed to and everyone thinks about how women get proposed to. So what happens in when there's two girls involved? Like she deserves a proposal too. Hmm. So I I propose back. <laughs> That's very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then it uh then it spirals downward until the point where you're like, we gotta get the oh, fuck yeah. out of this. Oh yeah. Crash and burn. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. And you don't use that phrase lightly. Not, <laughs> not in your fields. <laughs> Good point. Good point. That's not a phrase you just throw around casual <laughs> style. No, it was all around bad. But uh, lots of learning, lots of self-discovery from that one. And I think that's the best you can hope for from a relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. going to end. It is an and how does it end ultimately? You don't have to say. With her? Yeah. Um, so we bought a house together and, or I bought the house and we lived together and uh, she moved out and I had to stay in the house for a while because I was kind of underwater on it. Mm. And this past March, I finally got to sell the house from hell and I moved into a nice little apartment. Um just down the road right next to work and it's wonderful so it's really only about you really if you consider the house sort of that last albatross of that relationship it's really only been sort of four months since you kind of came up for air yeah. from that. so where are you at now yeah, like the final tie how does someone who's always thinking about what's next things have to be perfect i have to accomplish things somebody's always setting the bar very high for yourself how how do you uh how are you feeling about the romantic side of life now? Because those uh, those things don't always match up. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, so, many, so many things have happened in the past few days. It's hilarious that I got through today. But um, there is someone in my life that I care very, very deeply for. Um, but he's not available at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm very, very confused by this relationship and by my feelings. And I think a lot of it is on me more so than I ever realized. Um, Like I think I can be very critical and very judgmental. Um, I can be a perfectionist with other people. And yeah. So I, I picture my life with this person and it's just, it's fun and adventure and excitement and I just don't know if it'll ever happen. Rough. It's always rough. We've all been there. Yeah. That's rough. I know. Yeah, I hope it does. I can see great things, but like I said, not he's not fully available yet. He's seeing somebody. Yeah. And you're just sitting here biding your time. <laughs> Trying to learn about myself in the meantime and make sure that I can be 
a full half of a partnership if I ever find myself in that place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ever think about busting I will up? also say oh. that dating right now is the worst thing in the entire world. Why? And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Dating is horrible. You got all the apps now. It's easier than it's ever been, right? Or are those just completely dehumanizing? It's, I feel like it's just dehumanizing. Like, if you read some of the, like, reports and stuff about what these apps do to your perception of your fellow human, it's like, oh, well, if this one doesn't work out, I've got a line of however many after this that are, are waiting in queue. And so it's like, you don't take the time to actually say, do I, could I value this person as a person? Right. Everyone become, it, every, life becomes gamified. It's awful. It becomes more about the dopamine rush that comes from realizing that you both swiped right more than it does by the long-term rush yeah. of realizing maybe there's some support and stability in this cold, lonely world at last. <laughs> yes. Turn it Great. into a game. We turned, we turned our dating lives into Fruit Ninja. Is Fruit Ninja a thing? That's a thing, right? I, I feel like I've heard that before, yeah. I'm too old to know. I'm too old to know. You ever think about, you ever think about, busting, a, you ever think about busting out any of the old gear from the plane and what? being like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to What do you mean? Like this, this, this guy, you're, you said he, right? You said, did you say he or she? Yeah, yeah. You said, it's, a, it's a guy. Yeah. So this guy you're pining for, you ever think about, I'll bust out the old gear, make sure that that girl he's with can't send him no emojis. He can't, all the cute emojis, I'm going to bust into his phone. I'm going to erase all the cute emojis with my electronic <laughs> warfare background. And he'll be like, I wonder why she never sends me any cute emojis. And you'll know, ha, 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 ha. I used my, my Navy trained. <laughs> I would need a plane to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> She's like, we keep getting in all these fights. It happens to coincide weirdly with the time that this military jet keeps circling my house. I don't know what's happening. Ever since that military jet keeps circling me at work and home, you're not getting any of my texts anymore. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You're an interesting person. Yeah interesting person what else you got nine minutes left oh god people aren't kidding it really does go fast yeah things really move around here especially when you got so much interesting stuff to say yeah but did i just like run out of steam with nine minutes left is that gonna be is that gonna be my legacy on the beautiful anonymous Okay. No, believe me, other people, other people have, have run out with, uh, we've all heard episodes where people run out of steam with 40 minutes left. We've all heard those ones. Okay. Those, those are, those are painful. The peacefully ones. Yeah. What's the, uh, you ever pull anything off? Well, you said you're not an actual pilot. You were, you've never, have you yeah. flown, but you've, have you flown training missions or did you, when you're on the track to do what you do, do you f- train missions specifically in the function that you were in? You say specifically in the, in the function. Um, I think after like a year or two after I went through flight school, they started putting backseaters uh, through a quick round of like private pilots license training. Um, but I missed out. I didn't, I didn't get to do that. But how, I'll get my private pilot's license eventually when I have a little bit more time. How much did that piss you off? Eh, it's fine. I mean, 
Um, in the class that only gets to fly the electronic planes and I don't get yeah. my private license. Get that right in the window. <laughs> what's the you ever uh, what's the craziest shit you've ever done in a plane? Um there was we used to play Mad Libs with other jets. What? It was like a thing that we did um, because if you if you're taking off from an aircraft carrier and you're going into Afghanistan, you have to transit for about two hours over uh, Pakistan, and that's boring. Um, and so we would like get on the the common radio frequencies and like play madness with other jets. Hold on, hold on. Like you'd be on your jet going, all right, give me a verb. Yep. Yeah. And then you read it out to everyone that was on the frequency. That's what, that's what the squadron is doing. And then all of a sudden, somebody's like, "Two hour transit." And then, and then wait, and then somebody comes on and is like, "All right, guys, uh, cut the shit. Let's uh, go ahead and jam all their cell phone towers." Okay, now let's go ahead and get in there. Um, we believe that their movement indicates that there's a uh, tal- <laughs> Taliban-sponsored unit in a cave at this location, but they may be on the move to this location. And then you guys are like, it's go time. Everybody throws these jets into fucking afterburner mode. Everybody's jamming. You're up there jamming shit, overseeing it. The Argos come in. They're flying. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Everybody's improvising on the fly. Shit's going down, and then it's over. And then you turn around, and somebody's just like, okay, adverb. We need an adverb. Yeah, I need an adverb. <laughs> can I get an adverb? Can I get a name? Yeah, uh-huh. Can I get a name of a mm-hmm. street in the town where you grew up? That's how it goes down. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. It does seem, I do get the sense, having met enough people from the military, military has long stretches of boredom and then yeah. stretches of intense, yeah. intense adrenaline. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, it was always funny because, like, if I was if I was the one on the radios for a mission, like, uh, I was one of two girls in my squadron, um, and then I think there were five girls in the entire air wing. So, like, an air wing is all of the squadrons embarked on an aircraft carrier. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it was like like 2,000 people in an air wing, 5,000 people on an aircraft carrier. And so uh, (laughs) I was one of two girls in my squadron, I think five girls, five female officers in the air wing. Um, And any time a girl gets on the radio, it's like, it's like the ears go up for the guys. (laughs) It's always like so funny just to hear that because like we've been out to sea for however many months and these guys are all guys um typical there was one time what's that typical yeah there was one time when like one of the guys in the plane was trying to get in touch with some of the ground forces and they wouldn't respond and they wouldn't respond and i i finally like i got on the radio and they responded right away (laughs) get that these horn balls these horn balls. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. I want to let you know. You've expressed that uh-huh. you feel like you've come up short between George Washington and Georgetown, between the types of plane you flew, all this stuff. You feel like you've always had this hanging over you, relationships and whatnot. But I just want to say very genuinely, 
You sound like someone of great accomplishment who sacrificed a lot for the rest of us. And I want to say that it's easier, it's easy for me to say from the outside, but I look at you and I'm blown away by all the things you've done. And I very do genuinely thank you for it. And I know you say that that's kind of an uncomfortable thing, but I do. And I don't think anybody listening to this would say you've come up short in any way. You've done a lot of cool stuff. You've done it on behalf of the rest of us. And I think that's pretty amazing. Hey, you're doing just as much to help people. This podcast is incredible. (laughs) No, I am not. This podcast is it's it's amazing. I'm not doing just as much. You're trying to you're 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 putting your life on you're putting your life on the line to try to (laughs) uphold the morals and values of a crumbling society in the face of people who are embracing genuine evil and hate. I talk to guys who uh, I, I talk to people who are sitting on a SEPTA train board. I met that guy, by the way. I recently met that guy. I did a show in Philly on Tuesday. I met that guy. Nice guy. I talk to people who are shitting. I will say, I feel accomplished right now because one of the things that I love that you do on the podcast is when you get when you start to yell and you pull yourself away from the mic because you're yelling and you oh. just get it. I win. You came very close to me throwing my glasses down on the table. Very close. Ah! No. <laughs> I, I'm proud of what this podcast is, but it's not. I haven't done as much as members of the military. Let's not pretend, okay? I'm sitting safe in a booth. I'm sitting safe in a booth right now, and uh, and that's it's very nice of you to say. But I have to politely say that that's not true. But I thank you for it. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I will reiterate that everyone is worth it. You're worth the sacrifice. So this country is. Yeah. I wish we knew that more. Yeah. I mean, it's not always easy to remember, right? So much fighting, no, so much stuff to get not. tangled up in. There's a lot of bad things happening, but yeah. Does it tough? Is it? Is it? You, you must have to separate your personal opinions a lot to do the job you do. What the hell was that? My cat saying hi. That, that was, was a my cat. cat. That, that was, was real? Uh, that was okay. actually real? Yep. In what was perhaps yeah. the most poignant moment of the whole hour, a little cat comes out and makes yeah. a cute little cat noise. And, yep. People He's yelling gonna, at me right now. People are going to love that. How's your cat like your horse? <laughs> uh, the cats have never, have never met the horse. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. I was asking them. We have maybe one, someday. Not a fair question with just a minute left, but we haven't gotten into your political opinions. I don't know what they are. We don't have yeah. time for that. But is it hard to separate them when you're like, I want to protect this place and the, that I love, and there, there's so much fighting, there's so much strife, so many sad things, as you say, so many bad things, as you say. It's hard to separate yeah. your personal opinions from the job you have to do. I don't think so because I'm really proud of of what I do, um, and I'm really proud of of all the accomplishments that we we've, we've made just as a country in general. Uh, despite the bad stuff, and I think we can always get through the bad stuff, no matter what. Um, I, I I think it's it's possible, and, and like I said, I'm proud of this country. Simple as that. <laughs> I thought it was going to be yeah. all complex and layered. Nope, pretty simple. It's really not. It's 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 pretty simple when it comes down to it. All right. And this too shall pass. <laughs> We got ten seconds left, my friend. Any last words for the world? I, no, I just really appreciate what you do, and this is really cool. Thank you. Back at you. Thank you for everything you've done.
caller, thank you for calling. Thank you for serving. Thanks for filling me on your life. And uh, good luck with the horse. Hope the horse winds up getting where it needs to go. Last thing you want is a horse, uh, horse without home. <laughs> what am I even talking about? By the time this airs, I will have met you in person at the Kennedy Center. Thank you for uh, coming out and supporting my work. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks to Jared O'Connell, Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you to Justin Linville, who was the uh, secret backbone that allows my life to function. Thank you to Shell Shag for the intro music. ChrisGeth.com is where I'm going on the road. Our callers see me in uh, D.C. Maybe I'm coming to your town. Check and find out at ChrisGeth.com. If you like Beautiful Anonymous, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. It really does help so much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. A lot of you guys have Stitcher Premium. A lot of you guys signed up to get access to the Beautiful Anonymous back catalog and the Beautiful Anonymous live shows. And guess what? We got some content coming up later this year that's going to blow your minds, Beautiful Anonymous related, and I'll be saying more about that as time goes on. In the meantime, for those of you with Stitcher Premium, I want to let you know about a show called Thug Passion Presents. This is some friends of mine who I think are insanely funny people. Thug Passion Presents, it's a new show. It's on Stitcher Premium, hosted by stand-up comics Shalewa Sharp and Courtney Farrington. Those of you who were in Burlington, Courtney was the guy who was on the show with me. He was hosting the show. Great guy. So funny. And so nice. Really good dude who deserves your support. Listen as they share their love for underrated black movies, commonly known as hood classics, by breaking down scenes with fellow comedians and celebrating the influence these films and characters have had in molding today's culture. Thug Passion Presents is out now on Stitcher Premium. Both of these hosts are hilarious, kind people doing unique, innovative stuff. And if you're going, hey, when's Beautiful Anonymous going to have more uh, Stitcher Premium content? It's coming. It's on the way within a few months. And in the meantime, listen to Thug Passion Presents. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, a very energetic postal worker gives us all the nitty-gritty details of that life. When a beat step, I'm making it like a $5 step. I'm like, dude, I am making bank. I have shuffles, and I have shimmies, and I have twerk making that money, you know? And I have to keep my clothes on. I'm, I, that's when I, when I say I'm bringing in that money, I am bringing in that money. Like, hey! You make that twerk money. Twerk level money. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. <laughs>